The scriptures tell us there are angels among us, and they are ministering spirits helping those who will inherit salvation. The word ministering means to serve. In other words, we who are saved are those who are going to be saved because God knows everything, have angels serving and helping us. Now the Bible tells us that God created everything in both realms, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. What do angels look like? What do they do? And what kind of angels are there today the world of angels. Let's start with the cherubim. We see them all over the Old Testament, and it seems like there are different types of cherubim. They don't always look the same. We see them, first of all, in the Bible, being put outside of the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.24 says, So he drove out man and placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Some will say that these cherubim are only in the heavenly realm, but we see them here used to guard as well. In a song of deliverance, David spoke of cherubim in his song. Talking about God, he said, he rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. What a thought, God riding on a cherub. In Psalms 91.1, we're reminded that there were cherubs on top of the Ark of the Covenant and God's presence being in the glory between the two cherubim. There are cherubim in heaven as well, and he is present there. So it says, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim, let the earth be moved. Not only does he dwell between the cherubim of the Ark of the Covenant when Psalms 99 was written, but he dwells among the cherubim in heaven as well. In other words, the temple was a type of heaven, and we know that there is a temple in heaven. The Bible also tells us that Satan was a cherub. It says in Ezekiel 28, 14 and 15, and this is speaking to the king of Tyre, but when you begin to read it, it obviously is the powers behind the king of Tyre, and that is Satan himself. He says to him, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stone. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Satan was the anointed cherub that covers. This seems like it's a special specific duty that this particular cherub had, the anointed cherub who covers. Now the book of Ezekiel gives us the best description of cherubs in all of the Bible. And as I said, there's different descriptions in different places. It seems like there are different kinds of dogs or different kinds of cattle or different kinds of horses, different kinds of people. There are also different kinds of cherubs. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel 1, 4 through 14. Then I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. A great cloud was raging, fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. So he is by the river in Babylon. They have been taken captive. He's in kind of a concentration camp there. And he's down by the river and he sees a whirlwind. And then out of this whirlwind comes a platform with the throne of God on it, four cherubim and wheels that have eyes all the way around that are on the ground. 
This is God's chariot throne and he sees it. And I think he's seeing it because God is showing him, I'm in control. I go every way on the earth. I see everything that happens. And this happening to Israel is because God had determined it. I think that's why he's showing Ezekiel the throne. Now it goes on to say, and from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. So a total of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces. Each one had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves, feet that sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under the wings on their four sides. And each one of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. So here we see that they represent all of creation on land on the earth. You have the wild animals with the lion. You have the domesticated animals with the calf. You have the birds of the air with the eagle. And you have men represented by the face of a man. So angels are not just dealing in heaven, but they are also moving and representing the things here on earth. And we're gonna see that as we continue on in this passage. It goes on to say, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each of them touched one another and two covered the bodies and each one went straight forward and they went wherever the spirit wanted to go and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, the appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among living creatures. The fire was bright and out of the fire went lightning and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. So here's the picture. They don't turn when they go. They just go in the direction. They have four faces, so they go in whatever direction they need to go in by whatever face is looking that way. It's the idea that they're not turning. And I think that this is spoken of a few times here. God doesn't turn from his path. He goes whatever direction that he wants to go. And then they're moving back and forth like flashes. The throne of God is with these cherubim as they flash back and forth, again showing Ezekiel that God is in complete control. Now, this is not how we normally picture angels. We picture them beautiful and with wings and looking strong, but four different faces and four wings and feet that look like calves. These are not just the angels that we picture, but I think when we see them in heaven, they will not be monstrous, but they will look beautiful because our creator has created them. They are mighty and they're awe-inspiring. The second group of angels that we have are the seraphim. A few things about them before we get to what they look like. The word seraph can mean poisonous serpent. And in fact, if you look up where the word seraph is used most of the place in the Bible, and seraphim would be the plural of seraph, you find that it's talking about serpents or fiery serpents, sometimes even like Isaiah 36, flying fiery serpents. You may have heard that seraph means burning one. And the reason a poisonous serpent was called the burning one is because the venom would burn. And you remember when God told Moses to put a serpent on a stake and put it up in the wilderness, that word is seraph, put a seraph on the stake. 
And so it did speak of snakes. There is the word Natash in Hebrew for serpent as well. Both of them are used. So it could be that the seraphim we're going to see now have a serpent look to them. And there's no reason for us to think that seraphim are not another type of cherubim. They could be a distinct type of cherubim. So some scholars have thought that Satan himself was a seraphim, a type of cherubim, and that he was in the garden. Now that brings up a lot of implications we're not covering here today, but listen to the description of the seraphim. This is Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he flew covering his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the post of the door were shaken, and the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now here we see the distinct thing about the seraphim is that they had six wings. Revelation 4, 6 through 8 gives us another glimpse of the seraphim. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature was like the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like the flying eagle. So again, we see all of these groups represented in the seraphim. It says the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, whether or not the seraphim has a serpent-like look to it, these, again, will be remarkable angels for us to see. It's hard for us to imagine eyes all around and six wings, but I think that we will be amazed when we see them. We should also talk about the ophanim. The word ophanim means wheels in Hebrew, and we find them in Ezekiel's vision with the cherubim. They were the wheels that were on God's chariot throne. We see them in Daniel chapter 7 as well, but Ezekiel gives us a better description of them. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheel and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went towards any one of the four directions. So the picture is like a wheel going around and then a wheel going the other way so that like the cherubim that can move in any direction so they could roll in any of the direction with the wheel inside of the wheel. Then it goes on to say, they did not turn aside when they went. As for the rims, they were so high, they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up on the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the spirit went. Now it's calling the cherubim there the spirit. It goes on to say, and the wheels were lifted together with them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Now scholars are divided, 
as to whether or not the Ophanim are an angel in themselves. The spirit of the cherubim is in the Ophanim. And so it doesn't seem that they have their own spirit, but they do have eyes all around. And that seems like it would be something that is living. Are these just the wheels that the cherubim used to move things in the direction that they wanted things to go? Or were these living creatures with eyes all around them? Now, a couple of things. When Ezekiel said, I saw the vision and out of the whirlwind came four living creatures, he didn't say out of the whirlwind came eight living creatures. He said four, and he never calls the wheel living creatures. But in the text, often he refers to the cherubim as living creatures. So it would seem the best way to look at it is them not being angels. That doesn't mean they aren't. The Ophanim may very well be, but it seems like the best way is for us not to consider them as angels. Now, the next type of angel we will look at is the messengers, which is what angel means. There is rankings among the angels. There are those that are more powerful and those that are less powerful, those that hold positions of authority that are higher than others. And it seems that Michael is the greatest of all of the angels called the archangel. Now, the word archangel means a chief prince or a chief angel. And the only one in the Bible who has ever called the archangel is Michael himself. We do hear in 1 Thessalonians that there is a shout of heaven and the voice of the archangel. In the book of Daniel, when Daniel is talking to Gabriel, Gabriel says to him that he had to fight against the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. And only Michael, one of the chief angels, came to help him. So it seems like there are other archangels if he's one of the chief angels, but perhaps he's one of the chief angels who is the highest of all, but it seems to me that Gabriel would have referred to him as such. So he's the highest of them all, and then there is the heavenly host. Now their appearance is more like a man. The Bible never says that angels, mess these messengers, have wings. Instead, when they appear, they appear looking like men, sometimes glorious men, and sometimes normal men. Maybe they have that power to change their countenance to their full glory as an angel, or to look more like a man. We get an example of this in Matthew 28, three through five. The angel rolled back the stone. It says, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He goes on to tell them that he is risen from the dead. Angels are used to speak to her. But we see by this example, how glorious they look. Now they're also very powerful. Psalms 103, 20 and 21 tells us, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. They excel in strength. One angel in the Old Testament killed over 80,000 people. Another angel killed thousands more. So they are incredibly powerful compared to us. The Bible also tells us that there is a large number of them, over 100 million. It says in Revelation 5.11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million, and then added on is thousands of thousands. It's thought, this is just like the stars of the sky, innumerable. And they are all there in heaven on God's side. If a third of the angels fell, 
then two thirds would remain up in heaven. Now in the New Testament, we see angels working among men all the time, strengthening and encouraging Paul. Some entertained angels. An angel let Peter out of prison. The Old Testament says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Angels rejoice in the salvation of one person. Angels announce the resurrection. Jesus commands angels. Angels appeared and spoke to Philip. Angels announced his birth. Angels came and strengthened Jesus, and I believe they strengthen us as well. The Bible tells us that at one point, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus responded by bringing a child in the midst of them and telling them they had to become like a child in order to make it into heaven. A little bit later on, he makes a statement about children. He says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to serve that which was lost. Here Jesus speaks of the idea of guardian angels, and it is true. You and I have angels that help us as well. It says in Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who inherit salvation? What a great thing. They are ministering spirits. Ministering again means to serve. So angels are ministering to us. Now, three things in closing. Many like to emphasize the demonic realm. However, the angelic realm is far greater and more powerful. Number two, not only are the angels powerful and helping us, they serve the almighty God. How can we lose if God is on our side and the angels do his bidding by helping us? Finally, we're called the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And God uses the angels who are higher than us, stronger than us, to serve us in doing the work that God has called us to do. May you stand firm knowing that God has given you his spirit and his angels to help.